This podcast, The Two Mats, is sponsored as ever by the New European Newspaper. And we've got a very special subscription offer for you, a new one, where you can get a free bollocks to Brexit passport cover. That's right, you heard that right, folks. It's a burgundy, like vegan leather, beautifully designed passport cover. Pleather. To, to have pleather, that's what, that's what they call it, isn't it? Pleather. To hide your um, new British blue. The shame of the, the blue shame, The shame passport. of the blue passport. And you can get your free bollocks to Brexit passport cover free with a subscription to the New European from just £1 a week. So to take this fantastic offer, and trust me, if you like this podcast, you will absolutely love the New European, go to theneweuropean.co.uk forward slash two mats. That's the number two, M-A-T-T-S, and there's a link in the show notes. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, and welcome to the New European Podcast. Brought to you in association with Progress, the centre-left Labour pressure group working to stop a Tory hard Brexit and building for the Labour bloc at tomorrow's People's Vote March. I'm Richard Porritt and I'm joined by Jerry Scott. Hello. Steve is in New York. <sighs> or at least he's about to be in New York. So, so we're stop. doing the news. He will be here later actually to do Brexiteer of the Week. We've got someone on the Brexit blower later. That's Peter French who is one of the organisers of the march, which is taking place this weekend. He's organised the march as well, so he's going to tell us how important that is. But first, Jerry, let's do some news. Not been much going on, really, is there? Well, <laughs> goodness me. <laughs> Theresa May is ready to extend the Brexit transition. I sighed a massive sigh when I saw this. Yeah, <sighs> she's kind of said, isn't she, that she wants or is ready to consider a delay of a matter of months. Yeah, those are her words. Yeah. Um, this is in Britain's final departure from the EU, mm-hmm. and it is in order to to stop a, a hard border. Yeah. But what does it actually mean? I mean, are we talking, uh, she says a matter of months, the Brexiteers are saying this is just going to be a perpetual thing and we will never actually leave. Yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> so, but, but obviously we will remain in the customs union yep. during the transition period, so this is an, an extension of that. Why Why will a few more months make a difference to the hard border? Yeah, I don't think it will. Uh, you know, if we were at kind of a stalemate with it now, I reckon we're going to be at a stalemate with it in 2020 or whenever she's talking about, yeah, December 2020. Um, yeah, she's basically saying that, you know, she's hoping that with a bit more time that something could be ironed out, but I don't think it can be. Well, it is a hugely tricky uh, subject, obviously. 
Um, it, it goes beyond just trade and things. There are a lot more, um, and you know, we've been saying this all along. Um, the Irish border was, in my opinion, widely ignored during the first referendum mm-hmm. um, here in here in mainland. Certainly, I think it was an issue, obviously, in Northern Ireland, and they voted to remain. Um, so, it, you know what, though, I maybe the first time I've said this in my life, but I kind of agree with Nigel Farage when he said it could kind of mean that we're really close to the general election for May 2022 by the time, you know, there's full withdrawal or he said we might, may mean we never leave at all. So this is my, this is the question. So Labour are going to love this because, um, and the likes of Keir Starmer are going to like this because it's unlikely, I think, that we are, Labour are all ready to go for a general election. You know, at conference a few weeks ago, they were saying, oh, there'll be a general election in November. I can't see how, or why Theresa May would call a general election. I think she's more likely to say, all right, we'll have a second referendum than have a general election. Yeah, quite Because great. no Tory wants a general election. They are worried about Jeremy Corbyn. The Tory Remainers are more worried about Jeremy Corbyn getting in power than they are about um, staying in the, in the EU. Yeah. Um, so the likelihood of a general election, I think, early, or at least you know, in the next few months, is, is, is fairly small. If she can carry on kicking this can down the road, then perhaps a party, not the Tories, I wouldn't have thought, but perhaps a party, Labour, will say, we want to stay in the customs... Well, they've said we want to stay in a customs union and a single market. Mm -hmm. Then does that general election become the second referendum? Yeah, I think it would. I absolutely think it would. Um... Does she risk, though, in that case, taking power away from the Tories? Yeah, and I think already she's um, kind of risking her own power as well. As Nadine Dorries, isn't there, saying that David Davis should step in as an interim leader? Well, I mean, she's everything she does risks is a risk. Is a risk. Yeah. Is perilous for her yeah. because if she um, if she carries on with checkers in the way it is, she she risks well the everything. Her party hate it. <laughs> the EU hate it. Yeah. I think she's more concerned about there's whisperings coming from Brussels now that the EU are just going, yeah, throw it all up in the air. All right, you want a no-deal Brexit. You've not moved close enough to us to make it work. Your negotiation hasn't been good enough. You're not giving us enough. Here's your no-deal Brexit. And you know good what? Luck. Her negotiation clearly hasn't been good enough when she's heading back over to Brussels with no new ideas, like the EU are saying, that she's turning up with nothing fresh. Well, I mean, this is the... And I have... You know, I, I do not in any way, shape or form agree with the way that Theresa May has handled this. I think she needed to be a calm head. She talked about calm heads, didn't she, mm-hmm. in the House on on Monday. I, I, she wasn't a calm head right at the beginning when she became Prime Minister. Nope. Um, she, she, should have, she shouldn't have then painted herself into a corner on Brexit. She should have, you know, we, we've talked about, oh, everything's all still on the table. Actually, she took so much off the table right in that first speech or in those first weeks talking about we'll not be in a customs union, we'll not be in a single market. And uh, she's made her own negotiating position completely impossible. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't have a great deal of sympathy for her on that score. But I am sympathetic to the position she's found herself in now in that she literally has got nowhere to go. No. No, it's um, it is it was all a downward spiral from here. I fear. What I was going to say, of course, is um, it is the definition of madness, isn't it? Doing doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different outcome. It is, yes. <laughs> and I can't see. I think that the the EU have been very uh, united and very strong on this. I can't see that they're going to change their tune. 
she's going to have to, and she can't. Is her only option this extended transition just to just to keep her head above water at this stage? Yeah, I mean, she's buying herself time, isn't she? Um, I think you know any extended transition is just going to kind of. Um, you know, draw out the pain even more, frankly. Um, Her biggest problem, though, in my opinion, right now, is the Brexiteers. Yeah. Now, where we are, we believe, we can't be certain, that there are 44 letters into Graham Brady, the chairman of the 1922 committee. He needs 15% of sitting MPs. That's 48 do you think there's a big ticker on the wall? Turns Possibly. over every time one and another yeah, one comes yeah, yeah. in. Like the midnight clock. Yeah. We've got a second, we've got a minute closer to midnight. A minute closer to May night. Oh, good. Huh? So, good. Ha- surely, I mean, there, there are people with pens poised. I am certain of it. Yeah, and I think it's going to take, you know, these, these things aren't decided on a massive thing, are they? It's like the straw that broke the camel's back. It'll be one more little thing well, that could pushes this, someone over the edge. Could this be it? Could Boris... Be. Jacob Rees-Mogg and David Davis have said, have, have, have signed this open letter warning the Prime Minister not to bind the UK into the purgatory of perpetual membership of the EU Customs Union. Um, they, they've called on Mrs May to reset the negotiations and ditch checkers. Thereafter, this Canada-style free trade yeah. agreement. Uh, Canada plus, 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 mi- plus, minus. Plus, plus, plus. Canada <laughs> minus, they're all end up being. Um, and, and, and the letter continues, we are close to the moment of truth. Brexit offers the prize of a better future, global free trade deals and political independence. But if these potential gains are sacrificed because of EU bullying and the government's desperation to secure a deal, the British people will not forgive us. Oh, God, shut up. <sighs> I mean, what? you're a British person. I am. What what would you like to happen? I'd like us to stay in the EU, Richard. Yeah. Um, but in the situation we're in, you know, I I I do agree that we should be securing a deal. I'm not so I have no opinion that we should be crashing out of a deal. But it's a, just such a kind of mess at the moment. That Is I can't any deal? Is any deal better than no deal? Because, yes, obviously, we and the listeners would like to stay in the EU. We've made that quite clear over the 80-odd episodes sure? of this podcast <laughs> and the 115 editions of the, of the newspaper. But if there, if there has to be a Brexit, yeah. is any deal better than no deal? I don't think any deal is better than no deal. Um but I obviously do think that a good deal is going to be better. But why should we get... I mean, let's look at it from the EU's point of view. Why, oh, why should, should they give us anything? Why should they give us a good deal? Yeah, I quite agree. Um, They've got to... I mean, obviously, a good deal for us could be a good deal for them as well, OK? But they don't want to give us such a good deal that there is no pain. I mean, this is obvious. Yes. Because if we leave the club and get a really good deal, then why? Well, what's the point of the club? Yeah, exactly. I, you know... There is obviously the opportunity for it to be a good deal for both, um, but we're never going to get as good a deal as the likes of um, Boris and Jacob Rees-Mogg want. Either. I think that is impossible. To I do. Be oh, Boris just does. Boris just does wherever the wind blows. Yeah. Jacob Rees-Mogg, Nigel Farage have got a um, ideological belief that we should we should crash out and have no deal, and they want that to happen. Yeah. Um, but you see, if those, if the, if this does prompt those four more letters, I don't think that's very good news for the Brexiteers. 
I think them having the power of that that threat is actually more dangerous than the threat itself. Because, than actually doing it. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. It, if Boris... So Boris would stand, um, but he would... he If there were two soft Brexiteers or, or Remain MPs that were up against him, there's every possibility that he might not end up getting on the final ballot. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, then I they could end up with, with a, a, a proper Remain... Um, candidate leading the party. Yeah, bet the devil you know, almost. Well, yeah, but they'd be faced with the same problems. I mean, the, the, this is, this could, feels like it could just spiral and spiral and spiral through leader after leader after leader. Yeah. Apart from what we spoke about at the beginning, what could Theresa May have done different to keep everyone on side? I, I'm not sure. No, I think she's... I do think she's been a between a rock and a hard place the whole time. And, you know, when you say that you have a bit of sympathy with her for that, so do I. It's... You know, I can't necessarily see in many situations what she could have done differently, but a lot of those situations were situations of her own making also. There has been an element of that. I think, um, you know, this week and these EU summits, I just want to put my head in my hands when when she goes over there and and literally just shrugs. That's embarrassing. It is rather. Um, And and I think that the EU are losing patience. Yeah, of course they are. You know, they say they're they're sitting there kind of ready and waiting for her to present them with something that they can work with and that they're ready to put that interaction kind of as soon as it's there. But So on Sunday afternoon, on Sunday afternoon, uh, how it works is that uh, lobby journalists get emails that's from you know, from government, and, and they say, oh, this is happening, you can talk about it at this point. So I received this email early on Sunday afternoon saying Dominic Raab was getting on a plane and on his way to Brussels. Ooh. And I thought, oh, here we go. Here we go, we've got a deal. Yeah. An hour later, he's on his way back. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> Just pops duty-free, isn't he? So what was it? Well, there is no duty-free. No, <laughs> <laughs> but, but hey, tell you what, if there's there no might be deal... <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, I mean, really? They must have had some little backroom chat before that and yeah. gone, oh, I think we should get together. I think there's something we can talk about here. And then they've gone over and he's gone... Whilst he's in the air, uh-huh. it's kind of gone, nothing. Go, yeah. oh, well, what was the point in that? Yeah, yeah. And I, I do think, you know, they're losing patience and it's difficult to see how it's going to be resolved for me because there's nothing new. There's no new ideas. Checkers was it and it's all gone to crap. <laughs> Yeah, and of course the other big news, and we're going to talk in more depth with Peter about this in a, in, a, in a moment, is the People's March this week. Yes. Now, what I asked Peter about this as well, but what we've had lots of marches. Um, we've all been on several, whether as um, plaque-waving protesters or indeed journalists. But are they getting any cut through? And what is really the point of going out and marching? So I love a good march as much as the next person. Uh-huh. Um, I love a funny placard yes with a bit of humor I think in it. well check out the new european ones at the, on, on saturday they Absolutely. are excellent and i do think they're a good show of kind of opinion and strength and how many people are you know in, into an issue i always think of the kind of the march against the iraq war and how the streets were filled and things like that however i do think there needs to potentially be another idea on that side of it as well because I think the people, us, we're doing our bit, yes, aren't we? Yes, absolutely. And, and the march organisers and all, all you guys who will be on that march on Saturday, we're doing our bit and showing the yeah. strength and the, and the strength of feeling because that is there. Because what else can we do? Um, but it doesn't seem like there's anyone brave enough who actually has proper real power 
who's willing to... Well, there are obviously some people. I mean, you know, we've got some Delia great speakers Smith's on the march. Week. Delia Smith is missing her beloved Norwich City. She is. Planning to get on the march. Um, and obviously we have uh, some MPs who are brave enough. But I just think, imagine if, if a real big beast went, do you know what? We can't ignore these people anymore and came out and grabbed that mic. And yeah. It could make such a difference. Yeah. It could be a true moment in history. And that may well happen. It could be the turning point. I hope so. Fingers crossed. If you're going this weekend, enjoy. Peter's going to tell us a bit more about it next. This is the New European Podcast, brought to you in association with Progress, the centre-left Labour pressure group. Their campaign, LabourSay.eu, changed Labour policy to back a people's vote last month at conference. Sign up to join them on tomorrow's people's vote at LabourSay.eu and look out for the Labour banners at the corner of Curzon Street and Park Lane. You're all welcome. Wear red. on the Brexit blower this week. Welcome back. I've got on the phone this week Peter French, who's um, a massive Remainer, one of our Remainers in chief, but also um, a co-organiser of the uh, People's Vote March, which either has happened because you're listening after Saturday or maybe you're on your way to the march. Peter, welcome. Tell us a bit about how this particular march came about and what the thinking is behind it. I mean, actually, it goes way back to the beginning of the year. Um, having done the um, United for Europe march and the march to the Conservative Party conference, I I mainly think the marches in and of themselves don't achieve an awful lot. These are joint change policy, and they really have to be huge in order to make an impact and make some kind of difference. And suddenly I thought, actually, probably the most important time to do a march would be literally just before the MPs would vote on a deal. Yeah. And so after some investigation, I honed in upon October the 20th, because at that stage it was to be about about two and a half weeks before the MPs were due to vote. So that was really the thinking behind it. So I could get to create a march so big that it would make an impression upon the MPs to really consciously think about what they were doing when they made that vote. So that was really thinking about it, behind it. And it's, um, obviously, everything changes every day, doesn't it, in, in Brexit? And we don't know, we literally don't know when we record this pod, in fact, if it's going to be relevant by the time anyone listens to it. Um, but w- this is a crunch time, isn't it? So it remains really important for people to get out there and make their voices heard because they really can make a difference, can't they? I think this time, this, this is crucial. Um, we are at a, at a crucial juncture in, in the, the process, but also this is a crucial time where I do believe we, as the people of the country who want to remain, can make a huge difference. The more people who turn up on Saturday, even if you're listening to this on Saturday morning and, uh, and think, oh, I must go along to that, please do, because I really believe that the, the larger the numbers, the bigger the numbers, the more impact we're going to have. This is our chance to actually tell and show the government and the, the, the people of this country just how strongly we feel about this to actually get a, a vote on on the deal. I mean, it's ridiculous that we don't. So this is a crucial time. And I think this is the pinnacle of maybe just under two and a half years of campaigning, of marches up and down the country, of grassroots organisations all over the country working fervently for all that time. So this really is the, the ultimate um, show of strength for all of that hard work that's been going on since the referendum. Um, and I can't, cannot impress upon anybody enough how important it is and how important it is we get the numbers that we need on Saturday. 
And I, I, as you say, you've done numerous marches before, and I, I um, remember fondly the the one uh, that you did at um, the Tory Party Conference in Manchester uh, just over a year ago now, which was a great success. Um, yeah. But how have the how's the feeling of the of the marches changed? Do you think? Because in my opinion, I think those early gatherings were almost a little bit like therapy sessions. Like, oh, there are other people who feel as bad as me about this. Whereas now, I feel like there's a real clenched fist. You know, I don't mean angry or in a direct action kind of way, but in a in a we can achieve something here. A sort of a, a, there's a there's a tub thumping um, feel about about these marches now. I think the whole mood, the whole mood of the country has changed, and I think that's only a natural sequence of events. In the early days, a lot of the Remain movement, movement was made up of Facebook groups up and down the country. And you are right, in the early days of marches, they were, in, in, a, in a way, a bit like therapy sessions, because it was the first time that people came together and realised they were not alone. Um, and also, the, the important thing about marches, when I sort of said they don't achieve an awful lot in, in and of themselves, they do in one respect, they achieve an awful lot in actually giving people strength and giving people com- a feeling of camaraderie and belonging to something. And that's the most important thing about a march, I think, is actually people joining together and feel that they are part of something, part of the same united cause. And that gives people strength to power. And also people make friendships. People make, meet people they would never normally have met in their lives. And that can have an enormous impact on one's life. It has, it has for me. Now, I think it has changed because... Because through those early marches, those uh, those friendships, those bonds were, were formed. Having been formed, people have actually kept in touch. They've actually worked together. People yeah. worked together across the country. So now there's a strong feeling that, okay, so now we are together. Now let's do something. Let's really show this government what we mean. And, and I think that, that it inspires a sort of core of confidence and a core of strength, which I actually think motivates people even more and that's why i think this is this is the the best time you know in some ways the timing is perfect brexit is in disarray i mean goodness knows what's going to happen but this is the perfect time that we can actually make and show our strength and make and have some influence well you say goodness knows what's going to happen but i'm going to put you on the spot i mean can you see any possible way um for uh, for for Brexit to to happen now, I mean, or in the way that in the way that some of the hard, you know hard Brexit, or do you think it's more likely actually, or is, are we at that that point where it really is impossible to tell? Uh, as you say, it changes all the time. Last night, um, Theresa May didn't even attend the dinner. I mean, suddenly that was a U turn as well. Yeah. I, personally, I. I don't think it's going to happen. I think a number of mechanisms will just stop it from happening. But the truth of the matter is that even if it did, it's never going to be the Brexit that anyone expected or wanted or voted for. Whether people voted to leave or hard Brexiteers, nobody is going to be satisfied. Nobody is going to be happy. Um, I would surmise that this is actually going to be delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed and actually never happen now of course i could be wrong and, and, and events in the next few weeks might might determine that but my feeling is that um i think the the, the people's vote is, is a very strong movement i mean it, it's very logical that the people should have a vote on the deal and to deny the people that not only to deny democracy but to deny the people a right to actually 
the future of this country. To, to rely on a vote that happened over t- just under two and a half years ago, when people naturally change their mind day to day, let alone over the space of two and a half years, is absolutely ludicrous. Um, and it seems only right and fair that people should, should get the vote. Now, whether it comes, circumstances prevail that we actually get a vote in that, I don't know how that's going to, to, to pan out. But I still do believe that it can and, and it can be stopped and it will be stopped. Yeah. But as you said, in order for us to get to that point, you know, this has been um, an almighty campaign um, already. Um, and it would be nice, won't it, if, if we can all have a reunion in 10 years' time, sit down and say, we did it, but we need those numbers and we need those people out there on the streets. Yes, yeah, we do. We really do. I mean, this is... I mean, the, the, one of the reasons I chose October the 20th is actually half-term this week. Yeah. Um, so it's an ideal time. It's a week before the clock change. I mean, I chose this date very deliberately so actually we could to encompass and actually encourage as many people as possible to come along and it's the last possible chance to have uh, a gathering of this kind a nationwide gathering before winter sets in as well for darkness actually makes it impossible so this really is the ultimate time but you know it doesn't stop past saturday we still have to keep the momentum going past saturday this this saturday is our chance to show exactly how we feel in collective numbers and in strength and in unity but beyond Saturday we can still campaign across the country in our small groups individually uh, and nationally we can, there's still an awful lot to do it doesn't stop on Saturday and Saturday evening when the march is over Peter, thanks so much for your time I really appreciate it and thanks for all you do for, for these marches and, and uh, getting people together because it, it can often seem like we're a, a, a sort of cry in, the, in a darkened room can't it and then when you see those great pictures and all those people marching, all the banners all the chanting and things, it really does it, it warms my heart anyway, I'm sure you feel the same yeah, thank you. I mean, you know, I was never political before this referendum. I mean, I always, I always voted, of course. I always had an opinion. But the absurdity of this referendum changed my life. But also, I, I then met people I would never have normally met in my life. It's changed my life. And to see people from all walks of life suddenly go marching for the very first time, and, and, and it's changed their lives as well. I just find that so moving, and I still believe, you know, because of the way we feel about this, that we can make a difference. You know, I want to wish everyone well on Saturday. Um, please, please come along. Let's show this country how we feel. Let's really make a difference. And, and thank you, everybody, for the support throughout as well. Brilliant. Thanks, Peter. All the best. Thank you, Richard. Brexiteer of the Week. Welcome back. I'm joined by Steve. Hello. Where have you been? I've been hiding under the desk all, all this time. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Yeah. Well, we're glad you've returned to yes. do Brexit of the Week, because it's not the same when we do it without you. No, it's not. It's, it's better. Funnier. Yeah, yeah, funnier. Yeah, there's actual jokes in it. Come on, then. What's been happening? Well, where shall we, where shall we begin? What about Roger Daltrey? Shall we talk about Roger Daltrey? Who? Hey, it's good. So Roger Daltrey has come out as a Brexiteer, hasn't he? Yeah. And, and he said... Um, he said um, he said sort of a remarkable thing, didn't he? He said the the EU is a gravy train which is soaking us dry, and oh, 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 what can you you can't soaked dry? He means sucked, doesn't he? Soaked dry in gravy from a gravy train. Oh, I'd like to be soaked in gravy though. Give me a bath of onion gravy and and a nice big 
Yorkshire pudding, and you and then you'd be soaked dry in a bath of onion gravy. <laughs> All you that, maybe that's what he means. The EU is is pouring gravy on us, and it's all soaking into our skin. Anyway, um, what is it? It's a case of uh, meet the new dross, same as the old dross, uh, from Roger there. It's disappointing, isn't it, when people that you really like come out as a Brexiteer? Well, I had my concerns about the Who a few years ago when they refused to let um, um, Won't Get Fooled Again be used at the end of the Michael Moore documentary. Oh, is that right? Um, and it... it I can't remember exactly which one it was. And listen, I can take a leave, Michael Moore, but um, yeah, I don't some, like those Michael first Moore. couple of documentaries were actually quite good. Bowling for Columbine, I think this one was. Right, okay. And um, and instead they had to use... Um, Black uh, Eyed Peas, I've got a feeling. <laughs> Keep on rocking in the free world. Oh, okay. Which is a good song. Neil Young, yeah, it's, that's a very good song. Uh, we'll get fooled again, as uh, as it will now be retitled, yeah. as he's a Brexiteer. It's, a, it's such a shame. Um Nigel Lawson, I saw him on the TV the other day. Did you see this? He said, Brexit is... They, they said, why is it OK that you couldn't be a resident of France and live in France, but you don't want anybody else to live in, in France? And he said, Brexit isn't about me. It's about the British people as a whole. And the great majority of British people live in Britain. So mm. pick the bones out of that one, <laughs> Nigel. So it's okay for you to live in France, but no one else can now go and live in, and work in France. But that's that's fine because most British people live in Britain. But this is a man who named his daughter Nigella. He did, yeah. Mind you, my daughter's called Richardella. Rich. <laughs> <laughs> and the lovely lady she is too. Um, yeah, Nigel Lawson. Um, talking of Nigels, Nigel Farage. I don't know if you saw uh, any footage of him. They had a, a Leave Means Leave campaign rally in Bournemouth. Uh, I, do you know what? One was enough for me. It was so on I Monday. Well, back. you went, didn't you? I went and, to and Bolton, yeah. Just remind the listener, the listeners rather, um, or maybe it is listener, just listener. Re- what, ha- what was scheduled. When Leave Means Leave plan an event, it is, you know, with precision. Yes. They had it, there was a slight clash, wasn't there, in Bolton with what? With, what was it? It was Bolton Pride. It was Bolton Pride. So there were loads of rainbow-clad. They were <laughs> ravers wandering around, and then there was the Pride crowd as well. Yeah, no, yeah. Hey. Um, and they timed. So Nigel Farage made a speech in Bournemouth. They had a big Leave Means Leave rally Monday night, and it was he, he got up to speak at almost exactly the same time as. England v Spain started, um, but there were a couple of hundred people there, and he he, um, he 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 really dialed up the military rhetoric. He dived into his little khaki knapsack of, of disused military uh, rhetoric. He said, "This is the most important campaign that has ever been fought in British history," mm. which is quite something, yeah. isn't it? The old nineteen thirty nine to nineteen forty five thing. Quite a few even further back as well, you might argue. Yeah, 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 yeah. He said he was fighting and battling for a referendum. He'd stood and fought with people in the campaign. He said it was time to stand up and fight again. He said, I'm reactivating the People's Army. And then he started talking about MPs. And he said, don't write to your MP. He said, go meet them meet them face to face and make them feel the heat. Mm. And you sort of go... I don't want to meet Nigel face to face and feel his heat, would you? Well, not really. Imagine the heat coming off that ruddy complexion as well after a couple of pints. But imagine 
just you know when he says these things go and meet your mp face to face and feel the heat and it's a people's army do you yeah. think and he, has anyone ever dragged him over to one side and said do you remember this woman joe cox and what happened to her but to be fair you might as well uh, explain the concept of morality to a wasp I mean, um, he said nonsense like he said it would but didn't he say get his gun and yeah he said take up arms didn't yeah. he and all of this there's quite a lot of this this week wasn't there andrea jenkins said it's better to go down fighting and honouring the democratic decision of our British people than to be remembered for waving a white flag and surrendering to the EU demands. Right, yeah. Uh, and of course, Arlene Foster said, uh, it's now a battle of who blinks first and we've cut off our eyelids. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's you know. dark, isn't it? Yeah. That so it's a choice between, that. you know... Being killed in action or maiming yourself horribly, isn't it? There, which is I don't know. It's a bit. It's like a scene out of American Psycho. Yeah, yeah. What well, I don't know what it is about these people, but they're just drawn to battle and conflict, aren't they? Daniel Hannan, Sunday, October the fourteenth. He tweeted, "Today is the anniversary of the Battle of Hastings. It's arguably the worst man-made catastrophe <laughs> to befall the English people." Well, I wonder if there's another man-made. Ca- catastrophe that's going to befall the English people um, straight ahead and then of course we had the amazing uh, Nick Timothy article in the Sun uh, I don't know if you read this he talks about how uh, how Theresa May must discover her inner boudica uh, and of course it, and she she'd take inspiration from boudica and of course boudica had to poison herself after she masterminded a battle in which 80,000 Britons were killed uh, and a cost of 400 Romans. Um, so that is all good. Um, talk about articles in the sun. Pretty Patel wrote one uh, the same day as Nick T- as uh, Nick Timothy. Um, Do you know my Pretty Patel story? No, go on. Well, I've interviewed Pretty on numerous occasions. Yeah, your first name terms. Yeah. Well, I won't, uh, well, uh, prob- probably not. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then I was interviewed by Radio Four when she. Oh yes. Um, when she had met her end, yes, yeah, um, and I, and I was quizzed about whether it was for um, it was for their uh, profile. Show. Oh yeah, yeah. And I was asked about whether uh, you know whether she would bounce back, what her bounce back ability. Oh yes, was. yeah. In fact, my pal said, "I bet you can't get a word into the interview before I went to do it." And I went, "All right, then pick one." And he said, "Bounce back ability." Oh, so yeah, well, it was that's me fine, that dropped. Yeah, yeah easy. Um, and they said to me, do you think she'll ever be Prime Minister? And I said, uh, no. She's desperate to be, but she's not clever enough. Yes. And word came back to me that Pretty had listened to this. Was un- not pleased. And not happy with me because I said she wasn't clever. Okay. Well, I mean, it was a very clever article that she wrote because... <laughs> well, are you going to prove me right or because wrong? Because she wrote an article demanding that Theresa May must deliver on the 2017 Conservative Manifesto. Oh. And she mentioned the 2017 Conservative Manifesto. It's probably about 600 words, this article. She mentioned it 10 times. And she said, May must honour the manifesto, keep our manifesto promises, meet the manifesto commitments. And, I mean, I don't know if you remember the 2017 Conservative Manifesto, but it had things in it like the dementia tax return of grammar schools, the scrapping of universal uh, free school meals. It wanted to start means testing pensioners for the winter fuel allowance. And it, it wanted a, to end the triple lock on pensions. It was basically a shower. It was, yeah. And, 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 and what was the response to it? It was, you know, less than 30% of the electorate voted Tory. She lost uh, 
Theresa May lost 13 seats and she lost her overall majority. So a bizarre one. And, uh, and uh, you know, she's so pretty, pretty vacant. Um, <laughs> Boris Johnson. Um, I know you went for this Boris. job and didn't get it, but but uh, he, he's for for people who didn't apply, like me and Richard. Um, he he's he's hired an intern to run his social media accounts. Now Boris Johnson gets uh, two hundred and seventy five thousand for his terrible Daily Telegraph column. He gets seventy seven thousand three hundred and seventy nine quid uh, as a backbench MP and his expenses uh, and. Um, and the the lucky person who's got this job gets £10.20 an hour for four days a week, which is less than 5% of what Boris Johnson gets. Um, but the job advert was brilliant. It said, Boris Johnson's new helper had to be highly organised and have strong attention to detail. They had to have the ability to work cooperatively and the ability to work to deadlines under pressure. So that will make one of them in that office there. Um, <laughs> I really love the Daily Express letters page. Absolutely fantastic. And John Hearn from Raynham in Kent wrote my favourite letter of the week. And it, it sort of started by saying he was watching Troop in the Colour and he thought um, nobody does it better. And then he was watching the footage of the EU negotiations and he thought, oh, it's a bit like we have all the time in the world, even though we don't. <laughs> and he started thinking about James Bond. And then he said, he wrote, let's make Jacob Rees-Mogg our 007 and let him loose on Brussels. And I suppose, you know, it was going to, always going to come down to a choice between Idris Elba and Jacob Rees-Mogg. Now Daniel Craig is retiring. Um, you know, and do you think Jacob Rees-Mogg would be a good James Bond? Yeah. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, good. Okay. I, I well, th- I think he, fictional character. Yeah. Went to Eton. They both went yeah, to Eton. Yeah, yeah. Like a modified car. James Bond had his modified car, didn't he, with the oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> with the revolving number plates and the the machine guns that popped out and Jacob yeah, Rees-Mogg had that car um that some anarchists had stuck a purple dildo on the top of. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about possible um <laughs> James Bond, um, James Bond film titles with Jacob Rees-Mogg. Project Fear would be quite good, wouldn't it? That's a nice one, yeah. Project Fear. Yeah. Um, Never Say Checkers Again, I thought. Good. From Prussia With Love, he would appreciate that as yeah, a, yeah. a history scholar. And then Spectacles. Um, <laughs> what, because he wears glasses? Because he wears glasses, so yeah. me and you. Yeah, you yeah. can't make fun of people who wear glasses. Oh, no, I wear glasses. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but what if the Brexit... You know, trade talks after Brexit fail and we discover that the world is not enough. Would it be a case then of EU only live twice? Anyway, I Very could good. go on all Very day. Good. But the Brexiteer of the week is Andrew Bridgen. Oh, yes. Now, this it was absolutely incredible. Flabbergasting. Really. He went on Radio 5 Live against Stephen Nolan and I would say that if you are as dense as Andrew Bridgen, one of the things you should not do is go on Radio 5 Live anyway. And two, you shouldn't go on against somebody who's as clever and as well-prepared as Stephen Nolan. Thank f*** Andrew Bridgen has never thought... I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll go on LBC and I'll have a word with this James O'Brien fella and, and put him straight on a few though, Yeah, exactly. Old news Oh, I mean, do you know what I mean? So he said, and Stephen Nolan, you can hear the, the shock in Stephen Nolan's... Uh, voice it's quite similar to when you know it's quite similar to when Gary Bushell went on the Alan Brazil Talksport morning show 
to say that he'd just been to a tribute night to Bob Monkhouse and and, and, and Alan Brazil asked him how Bob's health was and he had to explain that he'd died six months previously. Anyway, Andrew Bridgen said to Stephen Nolan, as an English person, I have the right to go to Ireland and I believe that I can ask for a passport, can't I? I'm sure that currently we have a reciprocal agreement where I can go to Ireland and ask for an Irish passport and someone from Ireland can come to the UK and ask for a British passport. And that's the system we have, isn't it? No. I think... It isn't the system we have. The best bit about that is... The, when he says, as an English person, I have the right to go to Ireland and believe I can ask for a passport. Well, he just turns up and goes, passport, please. Passport, please. <laughs> My good man. And here's one for you. <laughs> yeah, I brought one over. It's blue, you see. I don't really think he's understanding this freedom of movement thing. He's, it's amazing, isn't it? So, does he even know that Ireland's in the EU? I don't think he does. You know, Does he understand the whole Northern Ireland Ireland thing? Does he? Hmm. Does he, you know... Does he just go to any island? Is he and this he he is an elected member of Parliament, <laughs> but he's also a member of the European Research Group, <laughs> who clearly should do a bit more research into Europe now and again. This so is. Andrew Bridgen, Brexiteer of the Week. Andrew, and I think it's his first time. It is first time as Brexiteer of the Week. Congratulations, Andrew. I'm sure we'll be hearing from you again. It's much harder to get in the list these days because we used to do ten in the yeah paper. yeah yeah. But now you've got to be. You've I've got whittled to, it down there. You've yeah. got to be really stupid. You've got yeah. to be really stupid to get in. I think Boris has been in every time <laughs> since he <laughs> did it on the Farage. What should the listener do right now, Steve? Well, the, the listener should wish me a happy holiday because I'm not going to be here next week. Oh, that's right. You're off next week. Uh, but I would really like it if you supported the work of the New European by um, signing up to our, our crowdfunder. It's at steadyhq.com. Just search for the New European there. There's a choice of um, a choice of plans that you can use to uh, give us some money uh, and uh, keep up our fight against Brexit. Um, you can uh, go to your podcaster of choice and like this podcast. Give us a lovely review, many stars if you can. Uh, you could go to Facebook, join the New European Readers Group. You can just like us on Facebook. And on Twitter, you can follow us at The New European. And you can follow me at Sanglesey, S-A-N-G-L-E-S-E-Y. Or you can follow me at Porritt, P-O-R-R-I-T. That was The New European Podcast, brought to you in association with Progress, the centre-left Labour pressure group. Changing Labour Party policy on Brexit, opposing a Tory hard Brexit and marching for People's Vote at the People's Vote March. Find out more at laboursay.eu right this second. And when you've done that, go and buy our newspaper. It's an absolute stonker. It is in the shops now, priced £2.50. There's lots of Brexit, there's lots of politics, there's also tons of art and culture. We will be back next week. Until then, Mr Campbell, play your bagpipes. Here you Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.